Hey, hey, Zoe, how are you doing today? Not too shabby, Brian. How about yourself? I'm quite well. Hey, I heard that you got to do your first interview. What was it about? I did. It was about crustaceans. Crustaceans again? We just did that last episode. That was amphipods. What's this one? Crustaceans again. It was a family called the Cypridopsinae, so some seed shrimp. Seed shrimp? Seed shrimp. Oh, very cool. Very cool. And how about you? What was your paper about? I did a uh, frog again, the same exact genus that we did for episode one, Pristimantis, and this one is from Panama. Oh, wow. I can't wait to hear about it. And I can't wait to hear yours. So let's get to it. Welcome to the New Species Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian Patrick. And I'm Zoe Albion, your other co-host. On this podcast, we talk to scientists about their recent discoveries of species that are new to science, but not necessarily new to nature. We talk to these scientists about how they found these new species and why they matter. We learn how they decided that they were new species and the behind the scenes stories of finding them. So join us as we explore the biodiversity of our planet and the scientists who help us better understand it. If you'd like to support this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash new species podcast. Welcome to the new species podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, Zoe Albion, and I'm here today with Agata Spark, an assistant and PhD student in the Laboratory of Biosystematics and the Ecology of Aquatic Invertebrates at the University of Gdansk in Poland. She's here today to talk to me about her paper in the December 9th issue of Zookeys, in which she and her co-authors described two new species of Cypridopsinae, seed trip, from Southern Africa. Welcome, Agata. It's great to have you. Hello. It's nice to meet you. Thank you for your invitation to the podcast. Absolutely. So to begin, could you please tell us a little bit about these crustaceans? What do they look like? How big are they? Uh, freshwater ostracods are a small crustacean, mostly uh, 0 to uh, 5 millimeter long. Uh, the body is enclosed between two calcified uh, wells, uh, which may, may have very different shape. Maybe smooth or ornamented uh, with ridges, uh, spines or um, lateral projection, and even hairy. Uh, the coloration of the wells um, varies from being white to, to being colored, uh, for example, brown or, or green, uh, sometimes uh, with very characteristic patterns. Uh, carapace shape and color uh, are often a characteristic. Um, and sometimes a diagnostic uh, features of, uh, of living ostracods. Uh, consists of um, eight pairs of, of specialized legs. Uh, they have two pairs of uh, antenna, mandibula, maxilla, uh, three pairs of thoracic legs and, and caudal, caudal ramis. And um, how do you identify them as ostracods um, and to the family and then to these two new species? Um, unfortunately, I, um, I don't find them. Uh, my supervisor collected them. When, when he collected them, I was uh, still at, uh, in high school. So how old are these specimens? Um, he, found, uh, he collected uh, them in 2011 and they were uh, preserved for several years and, and, wait, uh, and were waiting for me. Yeah? <laughs> and um, samples were collected from temporary waters uh, in South Africa. Potamocyplis meissneri was found in South Africa 
and Sars-Cyprinopsis harundinati was found in Botswana. Um, the samples were collected using a hand, uh, hand net from the surface of bottom. Potamocypris uh, masonary was found only in one site, uh, in small temporary pools uh, in northwest uh, province in South Africa. Uh, but so Sars-Cyprinopsis harundinati was found in eight uh, sites in the floodplains uh, south um, of Okavango Delta in, in Botswana. That's something unique about these ostracods, right? Is that they uh, are able to live in areas where water doesn't stay all year round? Temporary waters? Uh, yes. I've, um, I research uh, ostracods from temporary waters, but they live uh, in almost all aquatic uh, habitats. Marine and non-marine, um, from the oceans over deep lakes to two small temporary pools, and even semi-terrestrial habitats uh, or artificial pools. Um, a lot of non-marine um, ostracods are um, regionally or locally endemic. It's um, about 90% of all. Um, but I study only uh, ostracods from temporary pools. Uh, it's a um, habitat that um, uh, dry up for for the some period of time. It's, um, it's characteristic for this ecosystem that it's a period of time where um, it's um, completely dry. Do these crustaceans have any special adaptations that allow them to live in those temporary areas? They produce uh, their resting eggs. Uh, which can survive the, this this uh, situation without water. This adaptation allows them to to passive dispersal via wind or or, or water or uh, animals, especially birds. And um, protecting resting eggs is very um, is one of the most important adaptation to live in these habitats. And they produce asexually, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once you had found these specimens, how did you decide that they were new species? Both of them uh, belongs to the subfamily Cypridopsina. Uh, Cypridopsina are uh, mostly small animals, less than one millimeter in length, and um, it's not easiest to identify and describe the individual body of parts. So um, when I see my two new species, uh, I recognize the subfamily, in the case of Potamocypris masonary, at the first time uh, I saw them, I think that it's a new genus because um, uh, it's have very uh, conspicuously uh, ornamentation. Yeah, and um, when I dissected uh, these uh, individuals, I saw that they have a very characteristic um, trait to the genus Potamocypris. It's a um, spatula-like shape of distal part of maxilla. Uh, so I know that it's new. It's not new genus, but new species of Potamocypris. And only two other other species uh, belongs to belonging to this genus uh, from South, uh, Southern Africa. Potamocypris deflexa and Potamocypris humilis have uh, ornamented carapace. However, both uh, differ significantly. Uh, in the shape of the wealth from uh, Potamocypris masonary. So it's a characteristic trait for this new species. Uh, with the, the second, a second species, uh, Sarsipridopsis, was um, 
more difficult because uh, it's very difficult to um, identify individuals belongs to this genus based on the soft parts because uh, most of um, species are poorly, very poorly described and only for three from 17 uh, species um, the morphology of soft part um, are known, uh, is known, yeah. So, uh, despite the lack of uh, comparative uh, characters, SARS cypridopsis can be easily distinguished from its uh, South African congeners uh, by the unique, uh, more rounded wolf shape, yeah, uh, and, uh, and the, their smaller carapace. Uh, those both description based uh, on mainly on the uh, shape of the carapace, not as uh, soft body parts. And the second uh, thing is that uh, both uh, of the species uh, were found only as asexual uh, population. I don't find uh, male. Um, when you have males uh, of ostracots, it's easier because a lot of um, characteristic uh, traits uh, are on um, reproductive organs of male. But I don't have male, so it's more difficult. Yeah. Wow. How long did it take you to identify these species? How long? I don't know. Because, um, uh, because I, I, um, I found it in sediments and later I, I do something other things and uh, I come back to, to them and when I start to... Um, to identify them and uh, drawing uh, soft parts and make um, uh, photos of carapace. I don't know, three months maybe? I don't remember. <laughs> it's still, it's such a long time and I think something that we're learning on this podcast is that it can take a really long time for a specimen uh, to be discovered from the time it was collected. And so in this case it was several years, in some cases it's even more. Mm-hmm. And and how did you name these species? The Putamocypris meissneri is named after Vodimir um, Meissner. Uh, he's a professor of ornithology at our university. Uh, he's a friend of my supervisor and often collected ostracot from all over the world. And um, he also helped my, my supervisor to join various scientific uh, expeditions for collecting ostracot. And so we think that it's, it's very nice to, to name the new species after, after him. Yeah, but Salicipridopsis uh, harundineti is named after the terms reedbed. It's in Latin harundinetum. Uh, the original meaning of the name of the town Maun in, in Botswana. Uh, the town is uh, close to the sites where the, these new species were collected. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, I just have one more question, but it's kind of a big one. Why is this important? Why do we care about these tiny little creatures? Uh, first of all, I think that um, this um, found a new species is, um, is very important to increase our knowledge of, of bio- biodiversity. In my um, case, uh, biodiver- uh, ostracot biodiversity from, from Southern Africa. And I think that taxonomic research is very much needed. If you want to use ostracots to, to, for other research, uh, first of all, we must know what we are researching. Yeah? Um, and I, uh, I, I, I said before, uh, I research ostracot from temporary waters, which are home to a lot of ostracot species. 
unfortunately this uh, ecosystem is disappearing at an alarming rate so we are hurry up to study this organism living um, uh, living there to avoid um, a species extinct before we we found it and the most important i think is that discovering new species is very very exciting yeah when i found them and i look yeah it's it's a, it's a new species and i can i can identify them and describe them it was very very exciting for me um ostracots it's um, uh, I, I told um, mainly about ostracots in southern Africa uh, now because it's a it's, um, region which I researched and uh, of the approximately uh, 2,300 living species and 270 genera described uh, so far from all of the world only about 170 species and 50 uh, genera are reported from southern Africa so it's not too much and however this is only a part of the total taxonomic diversity that we can expect uh, expected from this region so we can find there uh, a lot i think new species and um, ostracots despite being a very very important part of the zoobanthus of african waters are often neglected uh, in ecological research perhaps um, this due to is due to the difficulties in dissecting and identifi uh, identifying them uh, and the, the next problem is, is the lack of keys which also uh, generates uh, identification mistakes yeah? the best known area in terms of species richness uh, is South Africa yeah? especially uh, the southern province and also Namibia while the fauna of ostracots in countries such uh, as Zimbabwe, Zambia, Angola or Mozambique is almost unknown. So there are still many new species uh, waiting to be found and described from this region. That's really exciting and I hope you continue your really important work. Agata, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing what you know. Thank you very much. Once again... Agata Sparks' paper, Two New Cypridopsinae from Southern Africa, is in the December 9th issue of Zookeys. See the episode details for a link to the paper, and to learn more about Agata and her work, check out the episode notes. Welcome to the New Species Podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, Brian Patrick, and today I'm joined by Dr. Abel Batista, a researcher at Universidad Autonoma de Chiriqui in Panama. You may remember Abel from season one, episode 15. He's here to talk to us about his paper published in the January 10th issue of Zoakies. And in this paper, he and his co-authors describe a new species of rain frog from Eastern Panama. Welcome back, Abel. Thanks. Welcome, Brian. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And I'm happy to have you for a second time. You, you find and describe some very interesting uh, vertebrates, which I don't always get to talk about on this podcast, and specifically frogs and toads. Tell us a little bit about this new species that you found. Uh, so this is in the genus Pristimantis, which we talked about just a couple of episodes ago. And so people can look at that episode one of season two and hear about that. So you tell us a little bit about this genus now. It's the largest genus of all of the frogs, right? Or of, of all vertebrates? Yes, it has a, a lot of species described. I think, I don't know, probably more than 400. It's called also rain frogs. 
because most of them are in uh, areas that we have uh, heavy rains and it's very wet uh, weather. And in Panama, uh, we have uh, some of the species. The species is originated in South America. In South America, there are more species. In one, sing one single place, you can find more than 10 species just living together. And in Panama, we have uh, much less, but still uh, we have, have some, some areas rich in, in these species. And, we were uh, very lucky to find this new species. Uh, this is a very interesting one. It's uh, like a four, uh, four centimeters in size. Oh, so that's um, big. That's almost, yeah, two, yeah. that's almost two inches. That's, that's big. Yeah, yeah, the, the females. Well, the females, the males are a bit smaller, but the females are bigger. And it has, um, they are, a, brown, yellow, and it has a red coloration and the growing. Some, some specimens has a yellow and the yellow lips also has a very nice black eyes, which is one of the diagnostic characters for this uh, species. Interesting. You said that these are in the genus Pristimantis, which if I recall has like 570 or 580 species. And when we were talking to Juan Reyes Puig, the person from the previous episode, he was saying that a lot of these have really interesting places where they live. So he told us one of his lives in a bromeliad. Uh, do we know anything about this new species? Where does it live? What habitat it, it prefers? Well, yes, this, this uh, prefers mostly cloud forest. Okay. And um, you can, we, we, we found them in a mid level of the forest. We found many individuals actually uh, close or near to bromeliads. And one very interesting thing that we, we found in this species was that we found females warding eggs in bromeliads, which is really, really uh, uncommon in this species. There are just few that are, uh, has this parental care within the genus, but we, we found several clutches all, uh, all of them with a female guarding them, which is very nice. For nice. So you had females guarding the eggs in the bromeliad plants on the trees, right? Yes. Oh, that's fascinating. I bet. Yes, did you yes. get nice pictures of those? Yeah, we have some pictures of those, those species, uh, those individuals um, guarding the eggs. And, and because these are direct developers, uh, amphibians, you can see in the eggs, the small frog legs. Yeah, so they don't go through the tadpole stage outside of the egg. They do everything in the egg, right? That's that's fairly yeah. common in this genus, is that right? Yeah, that is common in this genus and they hatch as uh, diminute uh, frogs. Very interesting, very cool. How, how did you find these new species? Yeah, it was uh, during a uh, field work. I was doing my, my field work for my thesis in, in Darien, Panama. And I tried to, to search or to, to do different ex expeditions to cloud forest because uh, this area uh, was um, very, very poor investigated. And then I wanted to, to go there and see, because I, we were thinking that, okay, probably there we, we could find new species. And actually we found many, many new species that some of them are still in their, the paper we are still working on that 
And the first specimen we found was in Cerro Chucanti. It's a, a mountain in, in Darien in Eastern Panama, which has a, a peak, which is very isolated, only three square kilometers, and is uh, covered by cloud forest. But we found also this piece in all other mountains around Eastern Panama, always in cloud forest above uh, seven, seven to 800 meters above sea level. Wow, so pretty high up. Which yeah. makes sense for the cloud forests, right? It's surprising you find the same species in many of the cloud forests, right, on several mountains, because often these these cloud forests act like an island. And so you get this cloud forest on this mountain has its set of species, and then five kilometers away, there's another cloud forest that'll have a different set of species. Isn't that pretty typical, particularly with these with these uh, amphibians? Yeah, that's true, Brian. Uh, we found actually in, in other group, which uh, I think probably has a, a evolution rate uh, faster than, than in Pristimantis, we call the Asporus, and we found this scenario. We had three peaks, and in different peaks, we, have, we got three different new species, and we're described in 2014, as I remember. But this, we didn't find this kind of isolation. But what we found that was very interesting was we, we, we found syntopic species, which were sister species of, of this one, which is very weird and interesting for um, to find sister species talking uh, genetically in the same place, living in the same place. And we found this uh, with Greta Thunberg uh, living in, in this area, but the, one of the interesting thing was also the, the finding of, finding of these species in cloud forest, which is uh, one of the most vulnerable areas for, for climate change in the tropics. Yeah, and, and that actually, since you just mentioned climate change and you just mentioned the name of this new species, why don't you tell us how you picked the name of the new species? Because those two things are connected, right? <laughs> so the name of this new species is Pristimantis Greta Thunbergi, right? Tell us about the name. Yes, yes. Uh, well, we, we picked this name because in the in the reserve we were working in the Chukanti Mouths, now it's a private reserve. They are struggling to, to find funding to, to preserve the area, to, to maintain the area with people working there, and also to try to buy lands to expand the, the, the area of the, of the protected area which is critically in danger because a lot of logging cattle in the surroundings. And with the NGO working in that, in that reserve, Adopta, a rainforest, Panama, they co collaborate with a rainforest trust from US and Canada and trying to find funding to, to get a, some financial support to keep the, the reserve. And in this way, they, they made an auction to an offer the species, uh, the species to a donor. And a donor picked the, the name uh, oh. because wanted to, yeah, wanted to, to call the, 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 the frog after Greta Thunberg. And for us, we had to, to decide if, if we could uh, write the species under that name. And we, we, we agree with that because uh, we also wanted to, for the species to be like an icon of the climate change because the, the places they live that are as, uh, one of the most vulnerable in the world. 
and then that's why we we agreed to 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 write this this pieces after Greta Thunberg. So it wasn't just that you picked the name; it's that the name was was actually chosen because of a donor, right? And then you agreed, like, yeah, I think that would be a good name. So that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now, when it came to finding the species, last time we talked, you told me some very crazy stories about having to go into the jungle and running across recently abandoned gorilla camps. Hopefully these were safer journeys to find the species. I'm sure it was still very tough to get up the mountain, but did you have any troubles finding these this new species? Well, no, the, the forest is very nice. Uh, although we have to walk a lot. Uh, we have to ride a horse for, depends on the weather also from three to seven hours and then get a, a bio station and from there walk three hours to the top of the mount and just the, the worst parts the worst part was like uh, walking the whole night uh, under heavy rains and so but <laughs> it, it, when you do what you love you 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 find this like as a fun but no, nothing nothing really worse happened there yeah, because uh, your last story, you talked about a drought and you had to cut vines to get things to drink. And this time you're talking about being in torrential downpours and rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely. I remember completely uh, different story, but uh, that's part of, of our work. We have to deal with different environments, weather, and, and we are happy doing that. And you're, you're doing it in a very difficult place to, to access Cloud forests are not just something you just walk up a hill and there they are. Like it's, it, you, you, you mentioned, yeah, we have to three hours to the top of the mountain. That's not an easy climb, is it? No, no, no. It's not for, for anybody. Yeah, you know, some, some places are very difficult to, to get and to reach. And it's not just that also that we are going there and full of frogs everywhere. We have to spend hours looking for every leaf, every corner in the, in the, in the jungle, uh, under logs, uh, climb and see the bromeliads, if there is something there. And we've, we used to do it by night because it's the, the most interesting period of the day to find these frogs. Most of them are nocturnal. The new species, Pristimantis Greta Thunberg, is nocturnal and active during the whole night. And this is the time we used to 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 search. We used to 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 search the frogs. And what's interesting is you described the way this frog looks. You say that's like yellow and brown, and so you would think it would be very easy to see, but it's almost like camouflage. And then you have to do it at night, in addition, right? So it probably makes it even more challenging. Yeah, 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 and yeah, it's, it's some, some, sometimes difficult. Sometimes you walk one night and you don't find anything. And it's frustrating sometimes because you spend like five, seven hours walking, searching. And that's uh, something very interesting when you start finding uh, the frogs. Yeah, and then the next day you go out and you find 15 frogs in five minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's many of them are the uh, weather dependent, you know, when yeah. after heavy rains is the best time to, to go out and search for frogs. Well, Abel, this is great. I, I wish we could talk longer. So I want to thank you for coming on. And this has been really great. I'm always happy to talk to you. Please let me know if you describe more frogs and we would love to have you back on. Or if any of your collaborators do other organisms from these cloud forests, mm -hmm. uh, we would be happy to talk to them as well. So Thanks. thank you very much for being here, Abel.
Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Sure. So many, many frogs will come. New, new species will come soon. I look forward to hearing about them. <coughs> Once again, Dr. Abel Batista's paper is in the January 10th issue of Zoo Keys. And the title of the paper is A New Rain Frog of the Genus Pristimantis from Central and Eastern Panama. See the episode details for a link to his paper. And to learn more about Abel, check out the episode notes for more information. Be sure to follow New Species on Twitter, at Podcast Species. And like the podcast on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash New Species Podcast. And if you'd like to support this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash New Species Podcast. <laughs>